Hello. I have, and always will have, fond memories of the happy times I spent broadcasting from Starbridge, but my aspirations on the airwaves were somewhat curtailed when, for personal reasons I needn't dwell on, other than to say it involved a combination of the death of yet another loved one and the recognition of the frailty of human longevity, my family, or what's left of it, and I moved away from the area in order, to use that hackneyed cliché, to start a new life. We found a place in a settlement in which I only half-jokingly tell prospective visitors to set their sat-nav to end of the world, and ours is the last place on the right just before you drop off. But rejoice, for the miracles of modern technology, together with a broadband that in these parts may be a little quicker than the Pony Express, but workable, or at least for most of the time, all conspire to deny the fates in rendering me entirely incommunicado. Ah, bliss. A former drover's barn on the trails to London and the south, hence both the name of my home and the origin of the snappy title of this contribution. The diminutive stream bubbling across my land denotes the Welsh border. Put one foot on my side and it's in Herefordshire. Straddle the stream with the other foot and your hobnails are on Powys soil. Although in reality the stream isn't always quite so joyously innocent and, being in the lee of the mountains, when the lashings and believe me when I describe them as lashings, of rain that regularly deluges work their way into its course, it temporarily becomes something of an angry torrent over which you'd um, straddle your leg at your pedal. Yet even the rain is different here, and being caught in a routine shower is akin to um, a ca caress from a satin glove. Across the valley directly in line of sight lie the Black Mountains, and the historic towns of Kington, High and Brecon are but a short distance away or short in this context, Brecon is 20 miles, and all are accessed by lightly populated roads. Here, on highways where mostly the national speed limit applies, 20 miles equates to a little more than 20 minutes, without so much as vaguely fracturing a speed limit. Starbridge to Warsaw is about the same distance. Try that one at 9 o'clock on a Monday morning. Uh, ooh, now, no slur intended on either location or any point in between, but you have to admit that it can get a bit chock-a-block in those parts. The principal disturbance in my neck of the woods is the sound of sheep or the occasional owl screech, and the coaching in across the road, which was built in 1380, so making our 17th century beams decidedly green by comparison, is all too distracting a view from my office when the welcoming doors are flung open on a hot sunny day. It all sounds idyllic, and indeed it is, but sitting here in contemplative reverie, I cannot but help recall the words of local music legend Sir Noddy Holder of Wolverhampton. Oh, please don't disappoint me by saying he hasn't got his knighthood yet. Anyway, he probably didn't actually coin the expression, but he's been known to use it regularly when he says, you can take the kid out of the black country, but you can never take the black country out of the kid. Absolutely correct, sir. Absolutely correct. Some college or other ought to offer a PhD in the implications of that statement. In the meantime, I'll try to offer my more modest take on what it's like to settle in a new and totally different environment in which all is tranquil, save for that constant niggle in the heart that still yearns for former pastures. Truth is, I'm visiting the area in a heady mix of business and pleasure so regularly that it seems I never really left. It's just that I now have further to travel back in order to get a bed at night. Perhaps I'm fortunate in so much that the cranking up of huge mileages is more than compensated for by the time spent in my beloved black country. 
But there is another aspect that, uh, in an almost Damascene expose, has been revealed to me by my departure. Quite simply, I now appreciate its elements far more than I ever did when I was totally and constantly immersed in them by dint of living amongst it all. Oh, I was certainly proud of my roots back then, but now having to make the effort to return has added a frizzle of excitement, a glow of anticipation as to what is there and what may or may not have changed since my last visit. Now this places me, does it not, in a novel position whereby an archetypal black country kid can muse on his former homeland from an external perspective and offer a sideways glance on the history, events and contemporary developments around the region he still cares about so passionately, albeit now from some distance away. So, in this series of occasional ad hoc broadcasts, I'll be exploring what makes our area so special, what makes it special right now and why it will still be special in the future. Now, with that scope, the list of subjects becomes near endless. When asked how I earn a crust and spend my uh, diurnal hours, I describe myself as a writer and broadcaster specialising in inland waterways and having an interest in glass. Over the years, I have in fact carved something of a humble but rewarding niche in exploring the connections between the two, and although my first love will always be waterways, it so happens that at the moment, the glass bit is taking up about 98% of my time, even though, with the exception of the odd appreciation course, I've never made a piece of glass in my life. Ideal for me, you may think, since the Starbridge area is, of course, rich in both canals and glass, and one could wax lyrical on those topics alone for many an hour. And there is so much to wax lyrical about, especially if one just scratches below the surface. Take, for example, the Portland Vase, arguably one of the most enigmatic pieces of cameo glass that the world has ever seen, and currently on show in Room 70 at the British Museum. I've seen it there, and it is breathtakingly exquisite. Made in Roman times, and subsequently copied, there are even now only six authenticated examples, including the original, across the entire planet. Now, and here comes the mind-blowing bit, of those six, an incredible four have direct connections with Stourbridge, with two being made in the 19th century in canal-side facilities on the canal's main line at Wordsley, and one being made in 2012 in the Ruskin Centre, again alongside the canal on the town arm. The fourth was made in the late 20th century by a man who's no longer in the area, but who actually undertook his training in Stourbridge. Four out of six to Stourbridge. That in itself is a simply amazing statistic. There are so many, many more besides in almost every aspect of life, from railways to medicine, music to literature, industry to philanthropy. By gosh, there's so much for us to be proud of. It is such statistics, together with the people and events behind them, that have, over the years, become ingrained into our very chromosomes. And, as Sir Isaac Newton presciently observed in the evaluation of his own achievements, there are giants amongst us now, upon whose shoulders we can stand in order to perpetuate that greatness for forthcoming generations. That is what makes us what we are and gives us our unique identity. It must be cultivated, it must be nurtured, and above all, it must constantly be celebrated and promoted for what it represents, for it is indeed the quintessence of being a black country model woman. There.
I'll get off my soapbox now, but I think I may have amply and unashamedly demonstrated where a large chunk of my heart still lies. And I'll be delighted if you, dear listener, would let me share it with you via the medium of the airwaves. Enjoy your black country, and do join me again soon for more Tales from the Barn.